Brr, it's getting cold out there. Perhaps a holiday would help. A lovely, festive vacation. Surely nothing can go wrong. Do you want to build a snowman? Hi, and welcome to day one of the Dark Christmas Tales Advent Calendar. This tale is called Snowman, written by Angela Blythe and read by the author. I'd always wanted to go to Switzerland, even as a child. There was something about the Alps, the snow and cows with bells on. I wanted to see it. Switzerland always seemed so pure and pristine. When my sister Amanda won a small amount on the lottery, she said she'd pay for us all to go. Amanda had always been generous, but this was an incredible offer. Both of our husbands couldn't get the time off work so said that my sister and I should go on our own as a kind of girls' bonding experience. They'd stay at home and look after the kids. It would have been a stretch getting the kids out of school anyway. Amanda let me pick the accommodation. We didn't want skiing. Neither of us was that type. We weren't bothered about the apres ski either. I just wanted to relax in the mountains and snow. Travelling in December would ensure that as long as we were high up enough, there would be plenty of it. I thought about how everything ground to a halt in England when there were just a few snowflakes. Luckily, I was reassured when I saw online about how the Swiss coped with snow for many months. In the end, I chose a sweet wooden cabin. It was on a little plateau halfway up a mountain, one road in and out. A family actually owned and ran the property. They picked you up from the airport and also offered trips to see the bears, a cheese factory and a chocolate factory if you were interested. We would be going for five days, so I decided to book all of them. We flew out of a rainy Manchester and landed at a bright, crisp Geneva airport. A lovely man with a handlebar moustache was there to meet us. He introduced himself as Adelbert the owner of the chalets. Adelbert took us in his 4x4, which had thick snow tyres. In the back seat, there were fur rugs with two flasks sitting on top of them. One contained hot chocolate and one hot glue vine. As we were both travelling without our children on this very rare occasion, we decided on the glue vine first, which warmed us up considerably. The journey was long, in fact, it was longer than the flight, and after a while, we drank the hot chocolate too. Adelbert passed back a foil-wrapped parcel. Inside was Christmas stolen, sliced and still warm. His wife, Mika, had made it fresh that morning. I looked at Amanda. We were hardly speaking, enjoying the scenery and the experience. Already, Amanda had a beautiful, happy glow about her, and I just knew that this trip was going to be perfect. I had a secret wish that there was something in the cabin, just something that made me think of Switzerland. If they didn't have one, then I would be buying one at the airport on the way home. I'd probably do that anyway. When we got to the accommodation, it was breathtakingly beautiful. I never imagined that these places actually existed but they coexisted on the earth at the same time as where I lived or the slums of a third world country. There were six log cabins which all faced outwards towards the edge of the plateau. 
there was a big central snow-covered stretch behind them, which joined to the mountain wall. Each cabin had smoke coming out of the chimney, apart from the second one along, which I guessed was ours. I was wrong, as that one was unoccupied. Adelberg's wife, Mika, was already in our cabin and had made a roaring fire for us. There was a meal on the table and food everywhere. That was part of the deal. Naturally, when people stayed in these cabins, nowhere near any shops and no transport, refreshments were included. Even the trips were free. Adelbert took you on them in his 4 by 4 When I say all this was free, what I mean is the hefty price for the holiday covered everything. When the couple finally left us alone, we stared at each other and without words knew what the other was thinking. This was perfect. Another bonus was when we went into the hall, my secret wish was there. A cuckoo clock. That was what I wanted. This one had little stags and leaves carved on it. To live in a wood house, in the snow, with a cuckoo clock. Silly, aren't I? Amanda and I had come here for the scenery, peace and quiet. But we were also happy when later... The Swiss couple in the next cabin invited us over for a fondue that evening. The woman, Karin, was a great storyteller. She told us that this place was magical and sometimes not in the best way. Through broken English, she explained that it was enchanted. They had been here before and she had seen a particular type of goat that had small legs and feet at the front but extra long legs at the back for climbing mountains. I laughed a little, thinking that it was all right on the way up, but how did he manage on the way down? Amanda elbowed me in the ribs. Shush now, she's serious, can't you tell? Amanda whispered. Karen did not seem offended and carried on telling me about various tales of the weird and wonderful enchanted creatures in the Alps. Every so often, Rolf, her husband, nodded in agreement, as if he had witnessed them too. When Karen had finished, he told us about the real creatures that we could see locally. We had a lovely evening with the couple. It would be the last one we had with them, as unfortunately they were going home the following morning. They also thought that a few of the other people were departing the next day, and she imagined that there would be new couples in the other chalets with us. We had a trip booked the next day, which was to see the bears. Luckily, it was booked in the evening, as we slept in very late. Amanda thought we had slept heavy because of the alcohol and the heavy cheese meal we had consumed last night. That was some part of it, I reckoned. For me, I thought that the pureness of the Swiss air and the silence here had been the main factor. We had not heard Karen... Rolf and the couples departing. From what Karen said, the other couples were also Swiss, so Adelbert did not have to take them very far. I couldn't stop gazing out of the picture window at the front of the chalet, which stretched out over the other mountains. Perhaps, enthralled by this, I hadn't noticed the thing that we discovered later. Amanda was also distracted, but mainly she sat on the first strewn rug in front of the real log fire, poking away at it and toasting marshmallows as she warmed her glue van in a pot that hung over the fire at one side. 
we went out for the trip later, taking our phones and cameras. We'd been warned that the signal was off and on here, and from our experience, we discovered that that meant mainly off. Ada Wirt knew where the bears lived, and we were able to view them at a safe distance. He guaranteed that we would see one, and we did. We saw eight of them, six large ones and two babies. Amanda was shocked. She somehow thought that they would be white, like polar bears. But of course, they were brown bears. The adults were quite dangerous, really. The babies were just super cute. Adelbert dropped us off on the plateau and left for home. I had taken so many pictures and still had the camera in my hand. In the middle of the plateau, someone had built a great big snowman. He was really fancy. He had rocks for buttons down the front of him, a scarf, a brown fedora hat and a face that was made of stones too. Big ones for the eyes and nose and little ones for the mouth, which was not smiling but a horizontal line. The arms and legs had been fashioned out of snow and he was just perfect. Let's take a pic of him, Amanda, I said. That'll make a great Christmas picture. I could frame it and put it on the wall every year. It will always remind us of our trip. Go on then, she said. We waded through the snow that was glistening and twinkling in the moonlight, like a million diamonds. Unless they had already put their fires out, it looked like we were the only ones here. The kids do a good job around here, don't they? Amanda said. I suppose they have a lot of practice, but yes, I've never seen English kids do anything as good as this, I remarked. When we got closer, we realised that it probably wasn't kids, as the snowman was about eight feet tall. This isn't kids, I said. They never managed to get the big ball of snow right on top of his shoulders. I looked for the tracks that would tell me where the builder had come from. There were none. The only footprints were the ones that Amanda and I had just made. It must have been snowing up here and covered them, Amanda commented. I took several pictures of the snowman and we made our way inside to the warm cabin. Even though we had had it only last night, we both fancied fondue again. Amanda had asked Karen how she'd made it and she discovered that we had all the ingredients in the chalet. We set to work and within an hour we were dipping bread into the cheesy goodness again. I fancied a hot chocolate tonight, so that was on the agenda afterwards. I gravitated towards the picture window again, my hands warming themselves around the mug. It was a long time before I could draw myself away. Before I sat down, I walked to the back window and looked at the snowman. He looked closer to here than I'd thought, which of course, as he was so very large, probably my perspective was out. We slept heavily again, and what woke me was the smell of cooking. Amanda got up and started breakfast. Bacon and eggs, plus a real pot of coffee were on. Today's trip would be the chocolate factory. Adelbert knew someone that would give us lots of free samples after we'd done the tour. We both sat in front of the fire, eating the bacon and eggs and drinking the coffee in silence. We didn't want to speak, that would spoil everything. It was so beautiful here. 
I decided to check out the pictures from last night. I had some great ones of the bears. I moved along, scanning through all the rest of the trip. I had taken some good scenic ones on the way back through the windows of the 4x4. When I got to the snowman ones, the face was all blurred. Damn it, I said, scanning past the first one. The second one was blurred too. I flicked onto the next one, the one after that. It was strange. From this angle, it looked like the snowman's mouth was open and that he was screaming. I flicked to the next one, and this was the same. It was quite clear that he was screaming. Oh, that's crap, I said. What is? Amanda asked. All the pictures of the snowman haven't come out and they all look weird. I don't know what's happened, I said. I passed the phone to Amanda. She looked through the crop of snowman pictures, her eyebrows raised. That is weird. And his face isn't like that either. I don't understand how his head can be blurry and his body's in focus, Amanda said. I know, I commented. I got up and walked to the back window. I could see the snowman in the bright daylight. His face was facing the cabin. I could see it. And indeed, it wasn't screaming. The lips were a straight line. His expression looked a little angry, yes, but his mouth was closed. It must have been a trick of the light, I said. There's nothing wrong with his face. No, it's really freaky. The bare ones are okay, and the ones up the mountain. Those phones use autofocus. Well, not this time. And another thing, who do you think built him if there's no one else here? Amanda asked. He wasn't there when we arrived from the airport. Maybe Karen or Rolf made him, or one of the others before they left. I could have been here all day. I don't think I even looked over there until we came back from the bear trip, I said. We thought nothing more of it, and spent a lovely afternoon catching up on books we wanted to read, until it was time to get ready for the trip. The chocolate factory was fantastic. We came back with two bags of chocolates. When we got back to the plateau, Adelbert dropped us off in the same place again. I waved him off. Before I could get to the cabin, Amanda grabbed my arm. Mel, look where he is now, Amanda said. The snowman must have been 20 feet closer to the front of the plateau where all the cabins were. There was no mistaking it. Come on, I said. We started to walk towards him and I looked back to the place I thought it might have been the previous night. Are you sure he wasn't here? I'm not imagining it, am I? I asked. No, it's been snowy here, but you can see our footprints going right up there to an empty area. There are no footprints here, Amanda said. Well, who's moved him then? Because we can't see where they've been either, I commented. We walked again to the snowman. I examined the base to see if he was on a trolley or cord or something. Surely he couldn't be. He must have been enormously heavy. The man boggles, Amanda said. You'd better take some more pictures of him just in case. Maybe we'll get lucky and he'll be laughing this time. Let's just hope these don't turn out rubbish. I took about ten others and we walked back to the chalet. I started to check the pictures as Amanda began to sample the chocolates. 
It's a good job it's nearly Christmas, she said, because there's no way I'll be eating these in the summer. I've got six months to get my beach body back. Amanda laughed. I had no blurry pictures this time. In some ways, I wished I had. The snowman again was screaming horrifically. His head was pushed forwards towards the camera. I didn't even feel like eating the chocolate now. Felt quite sick. Without a word, I got up and walked over to Amanda. I passed her the phone. She smiled and began to flick through the pictures. The chocolate in her other hand would remain forever half-eaten as she put it on the counter. She swallowed. Mel, what's going on? she asked. I don't know, I admitted. I was almost too scared to look through the window. The curtains were closed and I lifted up the edge at one side, peeking through. I felt so stupid, not wanting him to see me. But now those pictures could not be denied. Outside, he was closer. In the shadows of the snow, I could see our footprints again, and they were at a point behind him. His face was turned towards us. The expression was his usual one, not screaming. However, maybe it was the moonlight, but his eyes seemed to have an evil glint about them. I stepped back from the window, dropping the side of the curtain. I closed my eyes and turned towards Amanda. It was something I wished wasn't true. He's moved again, I told her. She went to the curtain and looked through the edge of it, just as I had. Yeah she said in a flat tone. This is really happening, isn't it? I asked. Amanda nodded. She seemed to be trying to process it all. Do you know what I think? Amanda said, as if the thought had just struck her. I think it's what Karen said. I think this place is enchanted. I wouldn't describe it as enchanted. I imagine enchanted as something magical and beautiful. This is more possessed, I said. I checked through the curtain. The snowman was still in the same place. I mean, where does it end? What's his agenda? Why is he doing this? Why is he screaming? I asked Amanda. I, I don't know, but I wish that there were other people in the cabins. Amanda admitted. So do I, I said. We started watching the fire in silence for a couple of hours. Just the crackling of the wood and our thoughts. I kept glancing towards the window. I didn't want to see him moving, screaming or anything. Then we heard a heavy sound by the back window. A thudding. I can't look at it. I said. It's probably something quite harmless, Mel. Some snow falling off the roof, a bear scratching itself on the wood, Amanda said. A bear? If one thing doesn't get it around here, another will, I said. Amanda took a deep breath and stood up. She walked over to the back window to peek through the edge of the curtain. Amanda couldn't see any of the dark night at the side. She lifted it up a little further. 
what she saw horrified her. The snowman's face was up against the window and this time he wasn't even hiding his real expressions. He was screaming, mouth wide, framed by the rock lips. His teeth were shards of black, flint-like rock. His arms made of snow were up at the window, fingers like claws. He was frozen in that act. She dropped the curtain back down and pressed herself against the wall. What? I asked. She rushed towards me and sat on the sofa, her eyes still on the window. He's there now, Amanda said, lightly panting, right against the window. He's coming to get us. He's there like this. She showed me with her hands and face. She looked like a bear herself. Luke, if he's coming to get us here, we'll sneak out the front. Let's go to one of the empty cabins, the furthest away. What about that? I asked. We won't put the fire on, so he can't tell. We'll take plenty of clothes and food. As soon as Adelbert comes tomorrow, we'll go. Yes, Amanda said. I don't want to be here anymore. We quickly gathered everything together that we thought we'd need, all the time listening for the thump of snow against the wooden walls. When we were ready, I asked Amanda to check if he was still there. She gave the slightest glance through the curtain. Yes, go, she said. As quietly as we could, we went out into the freezing Swiss night and shut the door behind us. We moved along to the next chalet, our eyes constantly scanning the clearing at the back of them to see if he had worked out that we'd left. It's incredible how loud crunching snow can be underfoot. The next chalet was locked and our key didn't work. I suddenly feared that all the cabins were. That had not crossed either of our minds and we were outside and vulnerable now. The next one was locked too and in the end we ended up at the last one. Our last chance. We both had our arms full but Amanda was holding more than me. I was trying all the doors to see if our key worked. My hands were shaking with cold and fright. Luckily for us, the last one was unlocked and I gave her the nod, opening the door. Amanda peeped around the corner to check that he was still there. When she saw him, she involuntarily gasped and I knew there was a problem. He's on his way over, she said. He's moved away from the window. He's facing towards us now. He's still like this too. Amanda made her impression of a growling bear again. Was he actually moving right then? I asked. No, he's always still when I look, Amanda said. It's like some kind of macabre game of musical statues, isn't it? I said, through gritted, shivering teeth. We got through the door, noticing for the first time that a little lamp had been accidentally left on. We stood in the living room. This one didn't seem as homey as ours. It looked like Adelbert was having to repair this cabin, as the floor was quite wet and it smelled weird. Amanda rushed to the back window to look for our stalker. He had moved closer in the time it took us to get into this chalet. He's coming. Perhaps he can smell us or something, Amanda said. If needs be, we'll keep on running from one chalet to the other until the morning, I said. 
it began to snow. The twinkly, glistening snow of Switzerland floated down. The wind seemed to be getting up too, and soon we were in a blizzard. From the back window of this chalet, we both watched him. He hadn't moved. He's waiting for us not to look at him, Amanda said. Well, that's not going to happen, is it? I replied. The blizzard got worse. Soon we could only just about see the snowman's buttons glinting black through the snow. But they seemed to sway. The buttons seemed to be moving. An optical illusion? No, no it wasn't. I think he's moving right now in the snow. He's using it to camouflage his movements, I said. Amanda watched him solemnly, considering my words. She pressed her eyes together and then stared, trying to focus on him through the swirling flakes. Too much white was making our eyes funny. Yes, yes he is. He's coming all right, Amanda said. I need a drink, I said, suddenly feeling very dry. I'm going to go into the kitchen and see what's there. I'll see what, I don't know, knives they have. Something we can fight with. You stay here and keep your eyes on him. I went into the kitchen. The water on the floor was worse here. I wished I hadn't had to see what lay there. A mother, father and two children were dead on the floor. Their faces twisted into terrified expressions. There were small rocks in their mouth and large rocks forced into their eyeball sockets. Rocks just like the snowman had. Amanda! I screamed. She ran towards me, splashing through the melted snow, and burst into the kitchen. We stood in silence, looking at the dead family. Their cuckoo clock ticked behind us. In the other room, we heard the front door bang open and the sound of the blizzard grew even closer. A heavy, dragging sound began. It had found us. That was A Dark Christmas Tale, written and read by Angela Blythe. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about further stories in this series, or my other work, please go to www.angelablythe.com.